As the racing season winds down, the separation season begins. Now, when I say separation season, I don't mean the season to separate yourself from racing, although that's exactly what many of your competitors are doing. And that provides an opportunity for you to separate from the pack. Within This Is Bracket Racing Elite, we focus on growth year-round, but the gains, they're, they're small, they're incremental during race season for two reasons. Number one, because your attention as a racer is split, right? You've got upkeep, maintenance, travel, all the things involved with the racing season, in addition to a focus on your own growth. And because other racers are working hard at that time too. It's this time of year, this separation season, where putting in the work can really allow you a leg up on the competition. If you're serious about doing just that, and you'd like to surround yourself with a group of knowledgeable trainers and accountable peers with the tools, the resources, the wisdom to help you take that next step, and perhaps even with the occasional kick in the pants to keep you on track, this is Bracket Racing Elite is the answer. We've helped thousands of racers just like you take the next step toward becoming the best version of themselves on the racetrack. Elite can help you do the same. Enrollment is open as of Monday, November 27th, and it closes December 8th. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite. Welcome back, or welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast, where we sometimes discuss U.S. Olympic athletes, adult film stars, and sportsman drag racing. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Big Jed, Jared Pennington. Jed is at home in Alabama. I'm at home in Illinois. Welcome to those of you, especially those of you watching live on the Sportsman Drag Racing Facebook page, Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast Facebook page. Welcome to those of you listening via traditional means on or wherever it is that you find your podcast. We appreciate you being here. Big Jed, you are a little over, no, a little under a week away from kicking off World Footbreak Challenge. How are you feeling? Feel great, Luke. Uh, actually, one week from today, uh, we'll be parking them, um, as they say. So uh, pretty excited. You know, everything seems to be lining up well. Obviously going to be a big crowd, which we'll talk about towards the end of the show. And uh, um as, as, as scary as it is to say it, even the weather looks good right now. So everything's lining up, Luke. Glad to hear it. Glad to hear it. What else is new in Kohlberg? Well, you know, not a whole lot of new stuff here. Um, we just, uh, we're rocking along. Uh, my main man, JJ, made a final Saturday night. Uh, still has yet to get that big win, that first big win, but made another final. Um Got really close, got to eight on top and uh, final in foot break. So he had a really good night. Uh, baby girl is starting to learn the, the junior dragster stuff, racing. And we're just having a blast, man, racing around the house, local, just got the whole family. And I mean, the whole family. I own five race cars, Luke, including two junior dragsters and had every bit of it at the track Saturday night. As uh, is, is challenging as that is, it was awesome. I mean, Every time I looked up, one of my cars going down the track with somebody in it. So it was a it was an awesome time. So we're just having a blast, man. Really are. I Good know time. you guys. 
I know you guys had a great time at the, the Midwest Junior Series, too. I'm looking forward to hearing a little more about that as well. No, it's uh, it's funny you say that. Like we we tend to do the same thing when we race local at, at I-57 and everything's going on the track. And my wife finds it stressful as anything. I just I love the chaos. Like I I I, I really enjoy everything going on yeah. at once and getting to watch everybody race. And you're even spread a little bit more thin than I am. It, it is. There's a lot going on, but it's a it's a kind of a gratifying uh, chaos. Yeah, it really is. And you know, it it gives you a lot of chances to. To fail but it gives you a lot of chances to be successful too so we had a little mix of all of that between yeah. between our team saturday night yeah yeah i think it's kind of hard to avoid getting some mixture of all of that when you get that many entries all right so we've got a ton to touch on from the previous week the past week since the last time that we met um but i think the the jumping off point here big jed the NHRA Camping World Series made its way to Worldwide Technology Raceway in St. Louis last... Oh, wait. <laughs> no, that was the TV promotions event. It it just so happened that unless you were affiliated with an NHRA Camping World Series team, it doesn't look like you had much success in St. Louis. The, the leaderboard very much read like an NHRA national event. It really did, Luke. It is incredible how how much influence the the NHRA Pro Tour had on the results at the TB Promotions event. You know, there's obviously a ton of talent at the big bracket races every time you open the gates. And every so often, some of the pros will will dabble and, and have a good time. But this time, the pros were dominant, my friend. I mean, they really showed out. Without question, Jed Coughlin Jr. wins Friday's $50,000 main event. His wife, Samantha, was down to five. Oh, by the way, I think she was doubled at nine, if I, if I read the results correct. So they were painting the place yellow and black on Friday. Sean Langdon, yeah, that's Sean Langdon. He advanced to the $75,000 final on Saturday. Dave Connolly was down to five on Saturday. All of that kind of water under the bridge to the main story. The the man of the weekend, Big Jed, was young, 18-year-old Anson Brown. If that name sounds familiar, that's because that's Antron's boy. Anson competing in, at least the way the legend goes, competing in his second event ever in a big car. Now, Anson did have a, a very successful junior dragster career, but he's 18 has raced the big car in competition two weekends. By the way, he did win the first one also, like a, a regular Saturday night event at Columbus, I believe. He drives to the $75,000 victory with a win, final round victory over Sean Langdon. And Jed, I didn't, I wasn't glued to the live feed on this, but it's pretty obvious the kid didn't back into this. He made nasty runs all day long. Yeah, Luke, uh, I, I got to watch a little piece, uh, just kind of keep up with it. And it was it was impressive. I mean, Anson drove like a, a pro, no pun intended. Um, obviously, this is a young man that's loaded with talent, has already had a successful drag racing uh, history. But when you step from juniors into the big cars, it's a whole different world. Like those packages are ridiculous. There's a lot of talent. There's so many strategies in the other lane. And young Anson didn't care. 
None of that bothered him whatsoever. This young man was laying down some killer laps, uh, really dialed in, car performing well. He performed well. It was a perfect combination, and it led him to a $75,000 win at the young age of 18. Anson Brown laid down 11 total in the final round to defeat Sean Langdon. He laid down eight total in the semifinal to defeat Logan Diggs. I read somewhere, I don't know if it's 100% true, but I read that he rang it up dead on every single round of eliminations. And I don't think there were many misses on the tree. Like I, my impression is that eight and 11 total wasn't an aberration. That was indicative of his performance throughout the day. Jed, when you zoom out, like I, I think at the at the notion that an 18-year-old in a second event in a big car wins on one of the biggest stages in the sport and one of the biggest paydays of the year, what is your level of surprise in seeing the name Anson Brown come across the wire as the winner of that event? Well, a ton of surprise, just because anytime someone does it on that stage for the first time, Luke, it's a it's got a level of surprise to it, regardless of the name. Now, obviously, this young man's very talented, and he's got a tremendous amount of talent around him. You know, even the the person he beat in the final, Sean Langdon, is someone that has had a lot of influence on Anson himself in his racing, as, as just being close to Antron as he is. So, you know, he's surrounded with people that probably help keep him level-headed and keep him focused on the mission at hand. But there's a there's a certain level of surprise uh, when you hear a name that you haven't seen do it before on that kind of stage. It does have surprise to it. And then when you hear the young man's 18 years old, I mean, he's not supposed to be ready for that. And and he didn't he didn't make mistakes along the way, Luke. He was he was winning the rounds. He was not not losing. He was winning the rounds. So definitely surprised uh, by. Uh, such a, a young racer accomplishing that for the first time with that guy and the other lane, you know, Anson knows how good Sean is. Uh, so that tends to impact your results at times. Nothing bothered him. It's, it's very, very impressive. Had you asked me a, a similar question, had you asked, are you surprised? Would I be surprised that Anson Brown had a successful career or even introduction you know first season in a big car after watching him like Anson and, and Antron have been regulars in the in the Midwest Junior Series for years and that's a really we got introduced to that in the last couple of years like it is a very serious very competitive junior drag racing series like I don't know how it stacks up against other series but it's it's cutthroat like way more way more impressive than I would have assumed coming into it right and Anson's had a ton of success there and given the resources, given the the knowledge behind him, and given his demeanor, like his success wouldn't surprise me. I'm surprised he won a 75 grand at the second time out. Yes, like 100. I don't care who you are, what you've got, but it, it does speak to a whether call it genetic, call it hard work, what have you. Like obviously, the young man's got something. That's pretty impressive, right? To just have that demeanor, cool, calm, collected to, I don't know how he was acting, but to perform as if you have been there before when obviously he's never been on a stage close to that. Really impressive stuff. And also just 
the the opportunity that I've had to get to know Anson and 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 more specifically Antron over the last couple of years, you wouldn't, I never would have assumed how hands-on Antron Brown is and how mechanically mechanically savvy that dude is. You'd think like he's not just the dude that gets in the car. Like he understands every nut and bolt, every facet of that. And you think his experience from pro stock motorcycle to like, he's very hands-on with the fuel operation, obviously. And the junior dragster stuff, like that dude was more knowledgeable with tune-ups than anyone ever seen. Now, even all of that background, like I wouldn't think any of that translates directly to a, a big block Chevy rear engine dragster 470 bracket car. But there is a, a, a mechanical aptitude there that I don't think can be overstated and and that obviously plays in and the other aspect is that antron and and obviously anson are also like incredibly smart and self-aware like to the point that they have obviously surrounded themselves with the right people to make this happen hit the ground running right i mean obviously they did some testing things like that like they didn't just roll the car or the trailer and it was this good but they've got a very good combination they've leaned on the right people they've put themselves in the best opportunity the best place to succeed but all of that said for it to happen this quickly um this biggest stage pretty incredible you're still muted jed well i hit the i hit the mute the <laughs> unmute but i don't know what happened like but couldn't agree more um you know when when you when you come from the world that antron comes from where you're constantly making changes to impact performance where this world is you don't want to change anything you you want to change the least amount possible when you get the car settled and dialed in um, that's two different strategies mentalities the whole thing so you know I, I don't know if it's difficult for him to to stay hands off of the car or you know if he if he enjoys that you know, as a, instead of the the rat race that they have between rounds, probably a little bit of both. But obviously, he's a he's a intelligent, knowledgeable guy, because it takes that to make a a car as competitive as they have this one in this day and time. So Anson's you know got a lot going for him with with Antron's mental ability and and capabilities of helping him get prepared round by round versus preparing the car round by round. Obviously those guys make a great team and, you know, you, you have to think at 18 years old, you're going to see so much more of this Luke, so much more. This, this young man didn't just fall into this win. He earned it. And, and I, I can see a lot more of those in his future. Ultimately you would think a young man like that, is going to father in, follow in his father's footsteps and and go pro at some level, some class of drag racing. But uh, I hope that he's one of those uh, hybrids that we see. You know, if he does go pro, he still gets back to his roots some and and stays over on the bracket races because he 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 definitely offers a lot. I have no idea what his aspirations are in the sport. I will say, like if. If that is the ultimate plan, you know, to to fill Antron's shoes or or join him alongside in a in a top fuel car some some at some point, they've never approached any of their racing as if that was the aspiration. Like 
from junior dragsters to what they're doing now, it never felt like a stepping stone. Like they were all in and, and, and juniors and obviously are all in in this. So I think regardless of what the aspiration is that maybe, maybe even more so if the aspiration is to move up eventually to be this locked in and this invested in what they're doing, I think just speaks again to the level of impressiveness involved all the way around. Other big stories from the weekend, Big Jed, our man, Logan Diggs, MVP of the weekend of the TV promotions event. I believe over the three days of this event, the worst that Logan did was advanced to like round seven, was double entered late at least once. Really impressive showing from the Western Missouri runner. Yeah, I love seeing this, Luke. Uh, Logan in uh, the family Oldsmobile. Um, if you haven't seen Logan's weapon of choice, it is an ultra clean uh, Oldsmobile Cutlass from the late 60s. Um, was his father's car. They took it and totally redid it. It is fantastic. Attention to detail is incredible. Uh, you know, he's got it running good. Logan is, a, is an engine guy himself, so he knows how to make some power. They've got this thing just working all the way around, impeccable, and uh, and just great family. Uh, I love him and and his dad uh, for sure. Those are just great people, and uh, and really happy to see Logan perform so well. No surprise whatsoever. He he really dominates over in his part of the country on a weekly basis. Uh, he he collects a lot of big wins over there. Doesn't do a whole lot of traveling, so. It was good to see Logan stretch out just a little there to St. Louis and show everybody what he's capable of, which is uh, quite a bit. Logan had a big weekend. Austin Sloan had a big weekend. He was runner up to uh, Jaggy, I believe, in the Friday race, one of a ton of rounds as well. Logan Diggs, he's Logan has shared the mic with you, right? At, at the Jag Summer Door Car Shootout? Or is that, was yes. that strictly Logan and Willie? Yeah. No, Logan's been up there with me before. Yeah, he's a, he's a guy that's fun to listen to. He got an interesting take on all the rounds. He knows the lingo and, you know, really doesn't care a whole lot about what he says either. So he's a, <laughs> he's a fun guy to hang around with on the mic and off. I think the my the first time I ever met Logan, he showed up to one of the Jake Summer Door Car shootouts. I think it was before we did pre-entry and we were full. Like we didn't really have a spot for Logan. And he had an open trailer behind a van. And I pulled him in under like a power line that it was like a, the ground line to the ground. And it, and it made this big triangle. And I had to watch the edge of the van because that's how close it was to this power line. I'm like, you're right here. He's like, right here, right here. And it's just the look on his face. It's like, oh, my God, what have I gotten into? And we hit it off right then. We've been buddies ever since. So way to go, Logan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Oh, a good story there. And uh, I'm sure he tells that story quite a bit himself. He's got quite a few of those to to spread around Johnny bracket racer JBR back on top. He won the Thursday opener at the TV promotions event. That was for a new uh, rolling, like complete roller painted wired plumbed mullish dragster. He defeated Hunter Patton in that final a battle of big dollar bracket racing uh, heavyweights. I think Hunter was a thou red uh, gave that win over to JBR. So it's good to see those two back in a final uh, other notables from the weekend, Lucas Walker swept the no box category, won the uh, won the no box portion of the event, both Friday and Saturday. No surprise, obviously, but certainly notable from uh, one of the heaviest hitters in the bottom bulb category. Yeah, Lucas 
just obviously having a, a good run, come off a wheelie contest win at the Jake Summerdor car shootout and turn that into a domination in the no box category. Definitely the catalyst for the momentum. Yes. <laughs> at the good TV point. promotions event. So Lucas on a, on a heater, if you will. And uh, Luke, I failed to mention, obviously Johnny Easy on Hunter Patton, a, a legendary all-star hall of fame final round. Uh, good to see Hunter back on that stage. And, Johnny, certainly um, no surprise there. That that guy just continues to get it done uh, on the big stages and, you know, winning a, winning a dragster, you know, a beautiful new mullis is, is a great accomplishment. I mean, that's a really cool deal. So happy to see that for him. And Austin Sloan. Austin, man, he really showed out. Austin had a great performance there. As you said, uh, Logan probably was the MVP, and Austin was all over that himself. Uh, he and his father, Tim, Great people, just fun to be around, and certainly love to see them race and do well. So congratulations to Austin and Lucas and JBR and Honey Wayne on top of all those other great winners. Jed, I'm curious to hear your take on TV promotions as a whole and their ascent, if you will, in the world of bracket racing promotion. And and in the context of this conversation, let me be clear and confine this to promoters that put on multiple events at multiple venues across somewhat of a ranging geography, right? Like I, I think when we when we compartmentalize to that, I think it's fair to say that the the flings stand alone. Like I I I I don't think that that's a bar that you can necessarily compare anyone else to for all all of the reasons that we know. I think the flings stand alone in terms of racer recognition racer acceptance, reputation, like if we're going to be completely frank, trust, right? Like I, I think by and large racers trust the playing above over above and beyond anything else. If you go to the next tier of that, like in my mind, it's probably, it's, it's Kyle Riley and SFG, it's um, Britton Galen with the Great American Series. And I think now it's fair to say it's TV promotions. And I actually, Jed, I would say that you could make the argument that Brian Whitworth and, and Tyler Bohannon have quickly risen, perhaps even to the top of that next tier in terms of the, the markers that I just mentioned, like racer recognition, acceptance, reputation, trust. How about that? Yeah, Luke. Um... I could see where you could definitely make that argument. I mean, Tebow and, and B-Dub, these guys are doing an incredible job. You know, this this has been happening for a few years, but they have continued to up their game where they started at Ohio Valley and they started going to larger venues. And now, I mean, now look, you got freaking Bowling Green and St. Louis. I mean, incredible venues, which – you know, anytime you go to world-class facilities like that, it it ups your game. I mean, it it really does get you recognition and get you noticed. So those guys are doing a great job in the, the venues they picked. But when you get to the race is when it really matters, Luke. And, you know, what what more could you ask for? Two guys that, that have a tremendous amount of history in racing, they've run just about everything you can possibly run. They understand how races should work and what racers want in terms of decisions. And they make those decisions and make them well. So 
I could definitely see where where the argument could be made that that they are uh, the next level, the top of the next level under the flings. And I don't think that gap is very wide from the flings to the to the the promoters that you mentioned. But you know, I mean, you got Kyle Riley; he's putting on great races, about to potentially pay one point one million. That's a big deal. You've got Britt and Galen and and Tommy Castaneda got a five hundred thousand dollar race coming up here later on in the year. So, you know, it's really in terms of of pay, it, it it seems to be how those guys stack up. But it's really not always about the paycheck that's getting paid. It's about what the racers get at the event when they show up. And I think it's arguable that racers feel like they get as much out of a TV promotions event as they get out of any other event. Of course, outside of the flings, I do think Peter and his staff have set the bar very, very high, but TV promotions is, uh, is on the trail for sure. No question. And regardless of where, you know, where, or even if you want to try to, to rank that bunch, the fact that they're in that discussion in, in their relative infancy as, as race promoters, I know that they've officially been in this business for a few years, but really at this level, um, moving around to different tracks and marquee facilities, like it's all pretty new. And they just seem to be, at least from a public perception standpoint, at the very least, making all the right moves. And it's a testament to them, especially at their age. I mean, Tyler and Brian are, are in the world of race promoters, young, you know, young guys. It's impressive what they're doing. And I just... I, I don't think it's necessarily fair to to compare um, and certainly not to compare to, to what Peter and Kyle had built, but just the the dynamic between Tyler and Brian, like it reminds me a lot of that of Peter and Kyle. Like Brian is very much the attention to detail, super ambitious, visionary, like very structured, you know, a, a lot of what I see in Peter. Right. And Tyler's the guy that like, if, if, if Brian seems too intense, like Tyler's the guy that smooths it all over, that everybody gets along with, that you can't be mad at a lot the way that Kyle was. And like, I don't think it's fair to compare the two, but there, I do see some similar dynamics there. Yeah, that's a great, uh, you know, I'll try not to use the word comparison, but definitely a great take on it, Luke. I think um, those guys seem to fit each side of the promotion business exactly where they're needed to make it successful. And, and, you know, talking about how Peter and Kyle filled those roles, definitely I can see that in B-Dub and, and Tebow. And, you know, again, you're talking about guys that are very highly respected among their peers. And that just tends to lead you to the right things when you're promoting. I, I really believe that. I think you have a, you know, you do it yourself, obviously. You understand. So I think you have um, – you have a commitment to the racers on a different level when you share the lanes with them everywhere else, except for the events you put on. And I think it forces you to not necessarily forces like you don't want it to happen, but it, it leads you to, you know, doing wonderful things and, and making good decisions that you know is in favor of the racers. And, and those guys have, have already built a history of that. And I will say too, like this rapid ascent in terms of, of reputation and, and recognition, 
obviously that's a tribute to them doing a lot of things right. I think that they would admit too, like there's an aspect of good fortune involved. And I do think like this, this past weekend as a prime example, I mean, the fact that racers like Jed Coughlin Jr. and Antron Brown and Sean Langdon and Dave Connolly are even on the grounds is a testament to what they're building at TV promotions. But from a perception standpoint, the fact that they are, those racers are winning and everybody recognizes that not only were they winning, were they on the grounds, but they're winning, like that enhances the, uh, the, the visibility, the, the, um, the splash, so to speak. Like, I think it just adds some, um, viability to everything that you're doing. And that's a good break, right? That's, that's something that you can't script. Yeah, most definitely. Luke, I couldn't agree more. And, you know, one other thing that, that should be noticed here is, if you're a folk promotions uh, team member, you got to feel real good about how that event went. Good you know, point. that was a, that was a big stage that was outside promoters that had all the chances of something jumping up and, and surprising everyone, but it looked flawless. It really did. The, the facility was ready. The staff was ready. The track was phenomenal. The whole thing's, seem to work very well so if you're if you're a member of folk promotions and you're a potential million dollar race participant the og million you got to be feeling really good man about september when that rolls around good point and i and i noticed too it's obviously a really smart move on their part but i noticed that the 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 key figures of that folk promotions team were in attendance were competing themselves so they're seeing everything, getting a feel for how that group works together, probably making notes on anything that wasn't perfect so that they can fix it. Like, I just, I agree with you. It's got to be a good feeling for them. I guess on some level, it, it raises the bar, you know, like th this, this all went super smoothly. So now it's, it's on you. But I do think to your point that it, you sleep better at night knowing that all of those pieces are in place and yeah. And are rest assured that from a location and a geographic and a facility standpoint, that racers want to support events there. Like, yeah, you you got to feel really good going into the OG Million. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, you know, I know we've talked about it. I know we've discussed, could it be the largest? And there's uh, certainly a, a, a fair amount of uh, optimism, uh, I know, on your side and a lot of other people's side that thinks this is going to be the lar largest one ever. Um, after seeing that this past weekend, wouldn't surprise me a bit. I know people have to be chomping at the bit to get there and participate. So this thing could be absolutely huge. Another interesting thread to that, and I'm sure we'll discuss this more in the coming months, but that month, months, September, October, like that time frame, it's very reminiscent of was it 2020 where we went from spring fling million bristol to great american guaranteed million memphis to og million montgomery in the span of like four weeks this late season schedule stacks up similarly like there is the the summer fling columbus that includes that 48 car all-star shootout i believe that's the week leading up to the og million I believe it's the week after there's a, a one of the big marquee SFG events at Darlington. The week after that is Fall Fling Bristol. And a week or two following that is that $500,000 Great American race that you just discussed in Montgomery. Like, I think we're actually in a climate where all of those can be successful, but that is a lot in the span of six weeks. 
I think the other thing that you feel good about if you're the OG million is being on the front end of that schedule. Yeah, really good point. Um, definitely want to be on the front of that just to, just to, you know, make sure that you're, you get the opportunity to, to get as many racers as you can, as I think there'll be a lot of people trying to make that total trail. And, you know, sometimes that steam runs out after a couple of events. Sometimes it makes two or three of them runs out, but if it's going to run out, it'll definitely be after the first one. So I think I would definitely want to be on the front end of that because that is quite the gauntlet. And you know, we talked about it back then when we had those series of million dollar races and, um, you know, could they all be successful? Uh, I think obviously they were. They so, were. Um, and I think the racing climate is just a little bit better right now than it's ever been. So, you know, I think we'll probably see a series of successful events again once that happens this fall. So the TV promotions team is feeling good. The folk promotions team is feeling good. You know who else is feeling good, Big Jed, for completely different reasons? How about Chris yeah. Bear? It was just a couple of weeks ago on this podcast, we talked about Chris Bear running the table, having one of those unforgettable weekends at the A Summer Slam, if memory serves. He was runner up in a five grander. Then he won two of the three 20 granders in his venerable S10, pretty much ran the table for the whole weekend. It's one of those weekends that that for, for the lucky ones comes along once in a lifetime. For Chris Bear, apparently it comes along twice a month because he went and did it again, Jed. Another big event in Ohio. It was the triple tens this time around uh, at Columbus at National Trail Raceway. Chris Bear wins Friday. Chris Bear wins Saturday. Chris Bear advances to the quarterfinal round Sunday. He was three win lights away from sweeping the weekend. This is not supposed to happen. Like in this day and age, I realize Chris Bear's truck is incredible and it's Chris Bear driving. Like it's no surprise that he wins, but you are not supposed to have like a 95% round win percentage over the course of a month. And that feels like where we're at. Luke, I mean, that all happened in Ohio, all of it. How does that happen? Because there's the greatest racers. That's a very Earth good point, Jed. Or in that state. It makes it and all it, the more impressive, doesn't it? Yeah. One guy can't dominate that. Uh, all kidding aside, you know, that's who Chris Berry is. He's a he's a streaky, dominant type racer, but that's ridiculous, Luke. That's a ridiculous run. Um, you know, at this point, when you're putting up back-to-back -back events like that, do you those last couple, do you even get a part of the split discussion. You just tell guys, no, you know what, guys, I'm good. Just we'll, we'll just, we'll call a flyer on this one. I know he's not that kind of guy, but I mean, he's cash heavy right now. He's wind light heavy. He is loaded with talent and we know Chris will get out to, to some of the better races later on this year, some of the bigger paying races. And, Probably somewhere along the line, Luke, one of us is going to pick him to win like we always do at one of these bigger races. And it wouldn't surprise me at all if uh, if Chris doesn't have a, a million dollar, half a million dollar win to his credit here later on this year. Guys, and, you know, he's on an incredible heater and I don't know what he's got coming up next. Uh, maybe vacation, but whatever it is, I'm sure he'll be a factor. That's a, that's a tremendous run for him.
The Lucas Oil Series bid its farewell to the fabled Vandermeer Speedway. It's the last Division 5 Lucas Oil Series event, and I believe the first time ever that the facility has hosted a double divisional. Just a few notes from the weekend. If we had to pick one uh, man that won the weekend, it's probably Chris Bishop, Big Jed. He won uh, Super Gas in race one, runnered up Super Comp in race two. Very impressive showing for the Seafoam runner out of Minnesota. I think he owned the weekend in Denver. Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously he did. That's a that's a great performance on his part. And, you know, it's got to be extra special when you know it's the, the final one. It's such a, a legendary and historic venue. So, um, you know, I, I'm sure winner's mentality, he's – probably thinking about everything that could have happened different in that super comp runner up, but regardless, great performance by Chris Bishop and heck of a way to, you know, close the facility out uh, in terms of, of your last and everybody's last opportunity there to collect a wallet. Bishop was a top 10 runner in super gas a year ago. And he started this season with his, I believe it was his first national event victory in Phoenix. So that's two super gas wins already this year. I'm not quite ready, Big Jed, to say that Chris Bishop or anyone for that matter is going to present a challenge to Sherman Adcock Jr., but that is mm -hmm. two super gas wins on the season. So if nothing else, Chris has put himself in prime position to duplicate that top 10 feet in back-to-back -back seasons. And that in and of itself, something to be really proud of. Nobody catching my man, Sherm. Uh, <laughs> you know, he, he's got her. He's got her by the by the throat right here. This is this is going to be his year to put up another national or world championship and, and get that championship Wally. So but Chris Bishop's performing very well and, and certainly um you know he he might get to he might get to hang out there with, with a gold card or something like that or, or some kind of card, whatever you get for a top five, but um Sherman's got her locked up. Flash Ain't nobody catching my man. Flashing the silver. He might get a gold card for winning the division championship. Silver. There you go. Top 10 NHRA. Other notes from Denver. The Harris siblings run the table in competition eliminator. Matt Harris gets the win in race one. His sister, Christine Harris Samuel, gets the win in race two. Brett Spear advanced to two final rounds. He was runner up in race two to the aforementioned Christine Harris Samuel in competition eliminator that on the back end of a runner up in race one in stock eliminator friend of the podcast, Ryan Montford race to yeah. a super stock victory in race two. He was also a semi-finalist in race one. So positive weekend for him. Similarly, Josh Herman, top dragster winner in race two, semi-finalist in race one. And Jed, there were some, I think we had to make mention, some familiar names gracing the uh, the, the win sheets from Denver. Our man Peeps Pennington, who seems to win everywhere he goes in whatever venue he's racing in, he did it again, this time in Super Comp. You don't see his name too often in the 890 categories. He dabbled in it in Denver. He won. It's, I guess I say the 890 categories, it's 950 up there on the mountain. Yeah. <laughs> it's still super comp. And similarly, Chris Whitfield, who seemingly we talk about every single week, Denver's home for him. So I guess it's no surprise that he advances to a final round up on the mountain. Chris was runner up to the aforementioned Chris Bishop in race one super gas competition. So two of the biggest names of the sport, once again, atop the page in Denver. Yeah, really cool to see the the big bracket hitters make their way out to the, you know, the NHRA 90 categories and 
do well. Uh, what about Peeps? I mean, that's impressive. You know, obviously um, he's tied to the Bandemir family and he's definitely was there, you know, sentimentally um, as, as his in-laws facility is closing up as a drag strip. So I'm sure that was pretty cool. You know, I know Peeps. I know he expects to win every time he goes, but he probably didn't really have super high expectations there. And then goes and pulls it off. Uh, just tremendous, tremendous talent. Always guy capable of winning everywhere he goes. And Chris Whitfield, very, very impressive runner-up in Supergas to, to the aforementioned Chris Bishop. But, man, that one that one would have been so extra special for Whitfield to, to hoist that Wally as the event champion. Uh, in race one or any race for that matter. Uh, but still very strong performance from him. And again, shows a lot of versatility on his part to, to go out and do that. He, he gets to do that quite a bit more than peeps, but not a whole lot still. So very impressive by Whitfield. No surprise. Jed, we led the show talking about World Footbreak Challenge just a week away. Recently, you made a pretty significant announcement with the WFC, given a good problem, right? A record number of entries coming in. You're going to have a huge crowd in Bristol. It seemed as if your announcement was extremely well-received. Talk me through what's what's going to happen in Bristol next week. Yeah, Luke, uh, obviously the, the 17th version of the BT World Footbreak Challenge is uh, has really exceeded expectations, um, you know, even exceeded hopes. Uh, this thing's going to be ridiculously large, and that's a wonderful thing. You know, it, it does present its share of challenges, and uh, I guess if you're going to have challenges, you want it to be due to too much part participation as opposed to not enough, so we're thankful for it. Our pre-entry count at the moment as we speak is, is 369, and um, you know, 10% of the nice. field. Yeah. Three, 10% of the field, Luke, is doubled. Mm -hmm. So there's, uh, there's still quite a bit of racers that will purchase a second entry when we get there. So that, uh, that started, we, we started seeing that uh, number grow early, uh, much earlier than we anticipated and much higher than we anticipated. So Steve and I have talked quite a bit about what we needed to do to make sure that we give the racers everything they're paying for and then some. Well, the adjusted format is going to uh, going to do that in our opinion, uh, and it was very well received. So we, we feel like we made the right choices there. Uh, we were going to have two $3,000 to win gamblers races, uh, one Thursday, one Friday, and we were going to have uh, a main event race Friday, Saturday, and Sunday paying 15000 a day. That's 51000 on the top to the racers. Well, we changed Thursday's gamblers to, to a 5K, single entry only. So we upped the purse there. Uh, we went to Friday where our challenges were going to start because we we like to give a time run on Friday morning. And, you know, we, we think everybody can make one together at the same time in the same window. And that puts everybody on the same playing field. And, you know, the only way we were going to get Friday in with a buyback race, and again, we pay second round winners, so the buyback is very important. It goes, it helps a lot to, to pay for that. So we, we couldn't really get rid of the buyback. A lot of people suggested that, but that was really not a, an option. So 
we said, well, we, it's got to be a no buyback style format on Friday. So Friday was going to get a $3,000 to win gambler's race. We're going to do a gambler's race only on Friday after the time run, which two goes down, one comes back. There's no buyback in the gambler's race. We're going to allow double entries, but we're going to pay $10,000 to win as opposed to $3,000, which is definitely going to help uh, ease the racers' aggravation, frustration, whatever, with the, the format changes, if they have any. Very well received. Saturday and Sunday, we've taken the main event races where there was going to be $45,000 on top, and we're paying $25,000 each day. So that's $50,000 now on top. And we up the runner-up money. There's an additional round because the crowd's going to be so large. So that changed a little bit and added some round money in there. All in all, uh, Luke, it, it added, uh, I think, $16,000 or a little more to the purse at no additional cost to the racer. So, you know, we're, we're happy to do that and give back to the racers and just say thank you. And, and certainly, um, you know, trying everything we can to, to ease the, the frustration level with everybody was built up to come run what was on the flyer. And then you go and change that, that sometimes that doesn't go very well, but we're thankful our racers received it very well. They're excited about it and we're excited about it. So um, the weather looks good. Again, as I said, we've got great sponsors that's kicked in lots of prizes and special awards and all that's on the flyer. Uh, as I said last week, I got 1,008 pieces of ice cream. And there's ice one cream. less. That is a lot of ice cream. It's 504 ice cream sandwiches and 504 fudge bars. So is there um, a reason for 504 of each or is that just kind of the way it fell? That's the packaging. The packaging okay. just lands okay. there. So um, I, yeah, I so, thought you'd really done some scientific research. <laughs> here. Like, we need we don't need 998. We don't need 1023. We need 1008 pieces of ice cream. Yeah, uh, that would I, I should have took credit for that, like dialing it in perfectly. But now when you think about it, there's going to be one day less of buybacks. So we get the ice cream for all of our racers that chooses mm. the buyback route. So um, now we've got one day less. Of that. So there's going to be a lot of free fudge bars and a lot of free ice cream sandwiches handed out around the tower. Uh, thanks to third Amber race where we're appreciative of Tony Saracini for helping us with that getting ice cream in the racers hands. We're going to have ice cold bottle water. Uh, right under the tower for the people in the staging lanes all weekend. Um, we're doing something new this year in honor of my my late father-in-law. Uh, Jenny's dad, as many know, passed away uh, late December. He, he had a, a, a tremendous uh, brain aneurysm stroke type event Christmas Eve night and, uh, and lasted a few more days till late December. This was going to be his first trip to Bristol. Um, he was excited about it. And we were excited that he was coming. Uh, obviously, that won't take place. But Mike Moe was our was our beloved father-in-law, father, grandfather. So we're going to have the Mike Moe MVP award. The, the MVP is, is a trend that big book races are starting to, to take on uh, across different promotion groups. A good trend. And, uh, it's a great trend, and, and Peter and Kyle started that, and what a great idea the whole thing was. And 
you know, they, they say um, certainly uh, when you copy someone as a sincerest uh, form of flattery that you can offer them. And we're definitely going to copy that with the Mike Moe MVP award. It's going to be $500 in cash and a, and a happy Gilmore check. So pretty cool deal. We're excited about it. And we're excited to honor my late great father-in-law in the process and, and award one of our racers. So look, the whole thing is just shaping up to be incredible. Um, we, uh, we've, we've got, you know, again, a record number of pre-entries. We're, we're anticipating that the crowd uh, on its highest day will be in the 600 range. So that's a lot of foot brake racing and that's going to be some long days. But uh, but we're looking forward to it, man. What a what a blessing it is to to be able to be at Bristol and to have that many people trust you and that many people um, support you. And, you know, ultimately, that's the that's the pegs the pride meter. You know, that's the that's the proudest moment you can have when that many people feel like they need to be a part of, of what you built. So. Pretty excited, and uh, I'll leave Tuesday after work and be up there Wednesday to, to Monday. We've talked about it before. Like, you don't build and put on an event of this magnitude for over a decade without getting the feeling that, for lack of a better word, it's, it's your baby. And it's really cool when everybody loves your baby. Like, that's a good feeling, Jed, and you guys have earned that. So kudos to you. In reference to the the format change, you know where I stand on this. We talked about it before. And if you've listened to this podcast, like I'm just, I'm not a fan of racing all day and all night for four straight days. So when I know that there's going to be 600 cars there, if you just lumped everything together and said, look, instead of three races to pay 15 and two races to pay three, we're just going to have one big race pays 50. I'm in, right? Like I, that, I like that. And I realize I'm probably in the minority. I know everybody likes to, to race, right? And get as many races in as you can, but I don't, and I know this has been well-received, but the way that you guys put this together as a racer, I don't know how you could have any negative pushback. You took, if you had planned on competing in every event, it was somewhere between three and five races that you were going to race on the weekend, maximum of five for a combined winner's purse of $51,000, right? The 315s, the two $3,000 gambler's races. Now you're guaranteeing, whether permitting four events, that when you combine the winner's purses, it's $65,000. How could I possibly be upset about that? You guys have gone over and above, and obviously what you're taking in with this massive car count, you're turning it right back around, giving it back to the racers. Like that, that there's no, there's no choice but for that to be well-received. Well, you know, uh, I had it, uh, I had it all typed up and was, was going to do a release with, with all the information on it. And, you know, those are the type of things that I had in there. And, and I was kind of leading it with, um, for when this race started and for all 17 years of it now, Steve and I, have, you know, our, our mission was been to treat the racers the way we want to be treated and, and try to make decisions that we would want the promoters to make. And I had all that laid out and, you know, you're, you're in the, you're in the circle of trust. So I sent it to you and you said, yeah, I like it. And it looks, it looks good. I, I think the racers are really going to enjoy it. You said the only, only advice I would have for you is to, to do this video style, do it, you know, in, in person kind of. And I think hearing it come out of your mouth 
would be a little better received than just reading it. So I took that advice and did it on our Facebook page. And it was, it was incredible. Great interaction. Uh, I think it was a little bit of questions asked that, that I was able to answer right there on the spot. So that was, that was tremendous advice. And it certainly, I think, uh, delivered the message in a little bit better form. So I appreciate you guiding me in that direction. And then, you know, certainly the decisions we made, we, we would want made if we were on the other end and it worked out pretty well. I actually had several people call and say, you know, I like the new format so much. We wasn't coming and now we're coming. So uh, I think it's going to actually get us some more support and, uh, and, you know, we're, we're going to have all kinds of wonderful things going on. I see Chad Wisecarver is watching and, and he's talking about doing some transmission work and coming uh, Chad's going to have a stick car there. Thomas Borgia has been our loan stick car for a few years and Thomas won't be there this year, but Chad will be swapping gears. Look, that's always a good time. Going to have fun. My, my brother is going to be there racing, going to be foot breaking for the first time in about 38 years. So, uh, he's, he's going to be a threat. We know he's going to be hard to handle. Um, but it's going to be a, it's going to be an awesome time. Uh, wonderful staff. You know, uh, we've got Paige. Yes, Paige, there'll be plenty of ice cream for you, but you got to be careful. I won't have you on a strict diet. Um, Jessica Spears and, and Kate Caulfield with our media and pictures and all the wonderful things they do. Got JJ, Jake Hodge, Ryan Gleghorn on the microphone. Um, you know, we've got my man Jeff Kyle on tech, and, and we've just got uh, the, the best gate personnel anybody could ask for and Shonda Stites and Jenny Mo Pennington. So just super excited about everything. We're going to work everybody to death. So we'll apologize in advance. <laughs> it's going to be some long days, but it's going to be awesome. You got me wanting to be there, Big Jed. I think that's it for this week. That's the show. A little bit of a short show this week. Um, I don't even have shouts for you, Jed. I think we'll more than make up for it uh, in a week or two. I, next week's show will be unique because obviously Jed's going to be tied up next week. So I don't know exactly what we've got planned. But the next time that we meet, we're going to have a lot to talk about. We're going to look back on the World Footbreak Challenge. This weekend is the uh, Firecracker Nationals up at Byron, $100,000 to win main event. That That's an event that's kind of become the, the, the prelude of sorts to the SFG 1.1 million that we talked about before. That's going on um, next weekend. Obviously, we'll, we'll discuss that. I don't know, Jed, like, I, are you? Are you on the outside? Are you are you concerned at all about that race? Like I haven't heard a ton of buzz ab- around that for a, a, a million dollar race and the three thousand dollar entry fee tag. Like perhaps it will be huge. I just haven't gotten the sense that everyone's flocking back to Michigan. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Yeah, I mean, anytime there's that kind of money on the line, I I, I feel concern. You know, because you need so many things to line up for those uh, races. I haven't looked at weather. I'm you know, I think that venue was picked up there because that part of the, the country up there in Michigan typically has great weather this time of year. So I'm sure that's just fine. I haven't heard a lot of buzz. I don't know why, but um, certainly looking forward to seeing how it turns out. And uh, and hopefully it turns out well for, for Kyle and all involved. 
Yeah, I mean, there was obviously there was a lot of we we dedicated an entire show to the the aftermath of that event last year. But it seemed by and large like like the decisions made were were um, accepted, if not if not embraced by the the crowd that was on hand a year ago. And I know, like personally, Jed, like I have been um, a critic of a lot of the 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 SFG principles, or, or not necessarily the principles, the format of their events. That's almost made a 180. Like on paper, their format now is much more appealing to me than it was three, four, five years ago. But I just don't know if it's hitting at the right time. Like I said, I, we may be reading far into this, and I don't want to cast a, a a cloud over this event. Like I, I, I don't. I'm I'm not trying to speak it into existence. I don't want to see anyone fail. But at the same time, like I'm just a little bit concerned because I have not heard the buzz around this event that it had two years ago, three years ago. So we'll see what comes in Michigan. We'll be talking about that. Uh, NHRA goes to Norwalk this weekend. We'll be talking about the national event. Um, we'll also, we'll touch a little bit. We, we rarely talk in-depth junior dragster racing on this show, but the uh, Western Conference Finals uh, invade Bandemir this weekend, as did the hail. I don't know if you saw any of that. Western Conference Finals got pelted with hail last yes. night and, and again this afternoon as we record on Thursday. Uh, so we'll, we'll touch on that at least in some form um, in the coming weeks, like I said, we've got a lot of great racing action coming up, a lot to talk about here on the podcast. So stay tuned to the coming episode and episodes. Yeah, no doubt, Luke. Uh, there'll be plenty to talk about next week. And um, and I'm glad my man Brian Yeager is is on watching. Um, they've got the, the no box hootenanny. That's right. There's a bit, uh, lot of buzz around that. Yeah, Dragway 42 this weekend. Really cool format where they they're, they had to make some changes because of weather coming in tomorrow. They're going to be two 10 granders, going to be a 10 grander Saturday, 10 grander Sunday, and then a $15,000 to win um, all-star shootout. And Luke, when I, when I say all-star, I, I can't put enough emphasis on that word. There are some absolute legends in this shootout and it's going to be a blast to watch the races on Motormania TV. I'm going to try to tune in and catch as much as possible uh, Brian Yeager, CJ Yeager, the Hoot Nannies, they, they do practice tree races. They're doing, uh, you know, real races at the track now. Love those guys, worked with them for quite a few years. And, you know, they are just all about a good time and a high quality race. Uh, really proud of what they're doing. So if you like to do some no box racing, get out to Dragway 42 this weekend. And uh, Luke, we need to definitely make sure we have that on our list of things to to discuss, you know, you might discuss that next week without me. Um, but uh, if, you know, if we has to wait a week, we'll talk about it when I get back. But uh, that's a, that's an important race to the bottom bulb community. And man, they're getting people from everywhere coming in there. And it's going to be a awesome freaking no box race. The all-star shootout, 64 cars, 32, 32 car all-star shootout. I don't want you to alienate 31 of your, probably customers but give me a pick who's winning well so it's easy to say lucas walker charlie lockhart nick hastings rick bear so you know if if one of those uh, mainstream racers is not going to win it then i'm picking jason ford that's Ooh. a bad bad yeah. dude he makes nasty laps and he's just one of those guys that everybody don't know because Jason don't travel a whole mm -hmm. lot. He don't have to. There's good racing around him. Man, he wins a lot, and he's a bad cat. So 
I think it's easy to pick one of the mainstream guys, so I'm kind of going to go dark horse there with, with Jason Ford. All right. All right. I like that pick a lot. Um, I'll go with Charlie. I'll stay mainstream. Yeah, you stay mainstream. Okay. Well, makes I, sense. I'm a fan of wheelies. It is good wheelies. Yeah. I mean, obviously, Lucas does <laughs> better wheelies, so if I was going to go strictly on the wheelie, I'd take Lucas Walker, but I feel like Charlie's <laughs> And yes, Jonathan Rogers, you can come for just the ice cream. It'd be all you want, my friend. All right, guys, that wraps us up. Enjoyed it. Thank you for tuning in. If you're watching, if you're just listening on Friday, thank you for listening. We appreciate you hanging in here with us. Um, we look forward to talking to you about all the great racing in the next week or two. Uh, I will be off of the show next week as I'm leaving Tuesday evening, headed to Bristol so um, y'all tune in to the World Foot Break Challenge. The 17th BTWFC uh, starts next Thursday, but the coverage starts next Friday about lunchtime. And uh, get to watch some great foot break racing. Um, if you got comments about this show, uh, if you got comments about any show in the past or anything that you want to talk about podcast-wise, there's a place to do that. You can go right there on the Sports and Drag Racing Podcast Facebook page. You can comment live here on our post or you can uh, you can comment on your own post either way for the public to see or you can send us a private message and uh, we'll collect that via producer Mark and, and he'll let us know what you had to say. And uh, Luke is shoutless this week. Um, it's OK. You, you deserve a shout break from time to time. Luke. Appreciate, I mean, that. Luke, Appreciate that. I was reading Lucas on the screen, but yeah, Luke. Appreciate the grace. So. Luke, uh, yeah, it's all good. So, guys, you can also tweet us. Luke is on the Twitter. I'm on the Twitter. Luke is at Luke Bogacki, B-O-G-A-C-K-I. I am at JP11X. We love to hear from you early and often. Again, thank you for watching or listening, and we look forward to talking to you again real soon about more sports and drafting. Oh, it's those long nights, early mornings, rolling down these old back roads, working on. Enrollment in This Is Bracket Racing Elite is now open. You've heard me discuss or at least reference This Is Bracket Racing Elite. It is the premier offering of our website, thisisbracketracing.com. Elite is a membership community designed specifically to help you get from where you are today as a racer to who you want to be as a racer. Led by knowledgeable professionals, Justin Lamb and myself are longtime instructors and we bring in a host of guests, racers that you know, racers that you respect, led by knowledgeable instructors and surrounded by supportive peers that are ultimately striving for the same goal in their own unique way. The truth is at each event, there are a hundred plus entries, there's one winner. At the end of each season, there's one champion. That feeling, not so much the money, not so much the trophy, that feeling of achievement, that sense of accomplishment, that tip of the cap from your peers, that's why we do this. You can dream of that feeling all you want, or you can take action, take steps toward becoming that racer. If you're ready to take the first step, this is Bracket Racing Elite is for you. Enrollment is open now for a limited time. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite before we close the doors again on December the 8th.